Happy Penn State weekend. Welcome in to the Weagle 91.1. We are Talking Tumors here. I'm Carson Horn. Super excited about this week's show. This is an exciting weekend. You can already feel the excitement here on campus at Auburn. A lot of uh, excitement building throughout the day. I've seen the crowd already starting starting to grow, including some uh, Penn State fans we're seeing uh, around campus. Uh, I saw some just looking outside my window here a second ago when I was in class. I can uh, tell you how much maybe I was I was paying attention there, but that's all right. We're super excited about this game. I think, you know, talking about the Penn State fans, Auburn obviously brought a great traveling crew last year up to Happy Valley for that game, so I would expect the return. I think Penn State will definitely have a good crowd, but I don't think anything is going to compare to the amount of Auburn fans and the excitement and the energy that Auburn fans are going to bring tomorrow afternoon at 2.30. We're a little over 24 hours away from kickoff. And it's hard to overstate the importance of this game this week. And again, we'll get more into that uh, a little bit later on. But obviously, there, there, there's a lot that goes into this game, being a non-conference game, hosting a Big Ten team, but also what it means for, for Brian Harson and the, and the future of this program. But again, like I said, we'll, we'll get into more of that later on in the, in the show. But I do want to start out just a little bit talking about the, the recap of this past week's game and what, what happened there, uh, what we're looking at uh, coming off that game. So start this was against, against San Jose State. It was a week two game, and you're coming off of a week one game against Mercer, and then you're going into the Penn State game. And I think, like a lot of fans, the players may, may have not been as excited about this game, looking forward to this matchup. Yes, it was a night game in Jordan-Hare Stadium, but still everyone, and again, no matter what players say, everyone's looking forward to the big game against Penn State. And I think that's what happened a little bit here for Auburn. And it was rough. It was not a pretty game by by any stretch. Auburn was down at halftime. Uh, quite frankly, I was very frustrated in the stands. The student section was very frustrated. I think the whole stadium was. And I'm sure the and the players were as well. And give San Jose State uh, credit. They played very well. I mean, Siobhan Cordero, their QB, played excellent. That He made some passes that were absolutely incredible. Their receivers had an incredible game. Uh, they made some very impressive catches. And uh, give their defense credit. They forced Auburn to into some tough situations. But Auburn, man, it was a lot of issues on their own just as far as the penalties went, man. That was, that was horrible. You know, I watched uh, Alabama and just uh, – be quite insane with the amount of penalties that they had uh, going on uh, in the Texas game, but but man, Auburn was up there with them, and may even I don't know if they had more than Alabama did in the Texas game, but they had quite uh, quite a few penalties. Uh, I think John uh, Samuel Shanker probably had his uh, worst game he's ever had as far as you know penalties went. He he had multiple block in the back, a holding. There are multiple pass interference. Uh, calls again. Those are sometimes a little bit iffy on whether whether or not, but it doesn't matter if they're called. They're called, and they still count towards your penalty total, and still are making things more difficult on you. And that was uh, that was the case for Auburn. So the penalty certainly set them back. But I, I will have to give credit. Look, defense was stuck on a short field multiple times. The field position battle was in San Jose State's favor the majority of the game, and the defense held strong. So give them credit where credit is due. The offense was poor. It was it was bad, uh, to be honest with you. Second half, there was improvement. That was good to see. It was good to see adjustments being made, uh, offensive uh, adjustments being made at, at halftime. That's something in the past in the previous regime that we may have not seen as much of, of, of seeing halftime adjustments actually show improvement there in the second half. So that was good to see from, from Harston and company. But as far as the um, quarterback play uh, went there, uh, T.J. Finley, of course, had the had the interception. Robbie Ashford had the interception as well. Student section went from chanting for T.J. to Robbie to chanting for Zach Calzada. It was it was a whirlwind of emotions. And again, we'll break down the quarterback situation much more detailed in the next segment. But that 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 struggle. But really, I think the reason everything kind of didn't flow. So you could never get into a flow offensively. That was because of the penalties more so than the quarterback play. Again, not saying the quarterback play was you know knock your socks off great. But I, I, I do believe that uh, it was not as uh, a big of an issue as it was getting behind the, getting behind the chains there um, uh, offensively with the penalties. 
But again, defensively, had defense had three sacks. I said that I wanted to see more from the defense as far as getting pressure on the quarterback. Three sacks, only gave up 329 yards of offense. And really what I liked was the bend but don't break mentality. That's going to be important in big games. That's something that you've heard the players echo in press conferences is, look, we've we got a, a bend, but we cannot break, and we're not going to break. I think Jalen Simpson said that. That's going to be very important for this defense going on throughout the year. So I like that. Again, there was some frustration, I know, with the secondary again. I felt it too. I challenged that I wanted to see um, better from the secondary uh, this week. And if you listened to last week's show, didn't necessarily get that. But again, like I said earlier, a lot of really nice plays were made from um, San Jose State, from the quarterback play to the receivers. And I do think they were a little uh, play a little more soft coverage, and I think you may see more aggressive coverage this week uh, from the defense. But uh, defense, I, I liked overall, though, what I saw from them. I will say the the receivers, man, there's just a lack of, of passes and receptions for uh, this receiving core through two games. It's, it's been quite astonishing, and that's something that's going to have to change going forward this week. And in the rest of the season, if Auburn's going to be successful and have success this season, uh, Javarius Johnson had three receptions for 41 yards. Uh, Shanker had three for 39. And then Tank was your leading receiver with four. And that's okay. Tank's a playmaker. He's a stud. Obviously, you want to get him the ball in the passing game as well. But that's something that's going to need to change coming up this week. But that's a little bit of the recap. Again, Auburn comes out the win 24-16. to They get control in the second half and really never look back. Again, they made some improvements, I think, Went up about 24 to 10 or so there. And then San Jose State got a got a touchdown late. But they were, the game was never really in doubt in the second half, even though Auburn was down at halftime. I never got nervous about the outcome of the game, which was good, good response. So, again, Auburn comes out with the win, and now they're able to turn their attention to Penn State, which is where it might have already been during that game. And so, again, like I said, big Big weekend, SEC Nation is going uh, to be here for this game. Uh, Paul Feinbaum will be here on campus this afternoon. So obviously a lot of excitement around that. And with the game comes recruiting. And then for this final couple minutes of this segment, I wanted to touch a little bit on Auburn recruiting. Auburn got a commitment from Adam Hopkins, uh, the number one receiver in Georgia yesterday. They lost the commitment, though, of the number one receiver in Alabama uh, from Carmelo English just the day beforehand. Auburn recruiting, depending on what site you're sitting at, is pretty consistent that they're second to last in the SEC and anywhere about the 50s, 60s range in national team rankings. That's quite that, that's quite shocking for somewhere like Auburn, and Auburn is such a great university, has so much to sell itself on. There's a lot of reasons you could you could say for why Auburn's sitting where it's at for recruiting-wise. You can list the drama from this offseason. You can list maybe that Brian Harson coming from the west to the south, how that how that's gone about, how you know, making these building these relationships with these players down here in the south, building relationships with high school coaches here in the south. But whatever reason you want to give, it doesn't really matter except the fact that it has to improve or Auburn's going to be in trouble. This weekend is a chance for Auburn recruiting, no matter what the outcome of the game is. Now, I certainly will say I think the outcome, being a win, will certainly help more than just a loss. But no matter what, the environment is going to be great this weekend. Recruits need to see that environment. Again, I, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm biased, but I think Auburn has the best home field uh, advantage in, in the country. I think uh, Jordan-Hare Stadium is it, just something unique. There's something special about it. The recruits need to see that, and hopefully – for Auburn's sake, that'll build some momentum on the trail. There's still guys that are committed that they're going to keep recruiting to try to flip. There's guys, there's some top targets out there, multiple five-star in-state targets that are going to be here this weekend, have not made a decision yet. This is a chance to show them. But I think the environment plus a win would be huge. I think there's more at stake here if Auburn were to lose than there is to win as far as gaining. There's a lot more they could, Auburn could lose by losing this matchup in recruiting than they could gain by winning it. I will admit that. But there's certainly a lot to be gained as well by winning this matchup. So, again, recruiting has to improve. That's going to be very important. I think 
this may be the biggest uh, group of recruits you'll see come to an Auburn game this year. Yes, LSU. Yes, Texas A&M. Yes, Arkansas. Those will be big games as well for recruits to come to. But this one's big because, it's again, whenever you get these non-conference matchups, it's always really exciting to see those uh, games. And so players are very excited about that. And so they'll be they'll be looking forward uh, to this game. And so I know the last couple weekends you've had some recruits in there and even some big ones, of course, your current commits. I know the rain delay against Mercer especially was a big deal for the staff, being able to take advantage of that time and getting to go and go and talk with uh, recruits during the rain delay. I think that meant a lot to those recruits and their families. And again, I think Brian Harson, I think the staff can recruit well. I, I don't know why they're struggling to the extent they're struggling. Last year, I know there was a little bit of talk about the approach in recruiting and, and Brian Harson maybe needed to change some things, and I think he did that. But we'll see how things uh, go coming going forward here for Auburn on the trail. But I think, again, big weekend here, big weekend going forward to show what you're all about. The whole message in Auburn recruiting has been just watch, watch, watch. And the, chance, the recruits are going to get the chance to do that this weekend. Can Auburn pull off the win against Penn State? That'll be a that'll uh, be a big deal to see what happens there. So just a little uh, let you know what we got coming up here before we go to the first break. Uh, coming up right after the break, we're gonna go uh, into things from San Jose State game that we're gonna need to see improvement in. Things I like, things I disliked, and a much more detailed breakdown again of the quarterback situation. I just talked about that uh, a little bit ago, but I'm gonna go into much more detailed breakdown and then. Uh, Coming up a little bit later on the show, of course, we'll have a detailed breakdown of Penn State, a scouting report on them. And then stick around for the final segment where we'll dive into uh, predictions for other games across the country. It should be another great week of college football. So stay tuned here on Weagle 91.1. We will be right back. Welcome back now to Talking Tumors here on Weagle 91.1. So let's talk a little bit about things that need to improve from the I'm gonna really go more general here from the first two games going forward for Auburn if they're gonna have a successful season this year and if they're gonna win this week against Penn State. First, the penalties and turnovers. Wow, that has to improve. Auburn will will not win this game against Penn State this weekend if they lose the turnover battle. Auburn will not win this game against Penn State this week if they have the amount of penalties that they had this past week against San Jose State. Those two things, first and foremost, I've got them in all caps. Those have to improve if this Auburn team wants to be successful this season. And I really was impressed by the discipline in the first game that I thought was better from last year as far as penalties went. And Brian Harson has really hit on that about the discipline that he wants this football team to play with. And it was good in week one. It was not good last week. And the penalties have to be better. Those two things, first and foremost. And to be, I, I believe, what, minus four right now in the turnover ratio, it's unacceptable. It, it truly is, especially against San Jose State and Mercer. You can't go back in time now. There's no reason to. But the fact that you weren't able to, to win the turnover battle in either of those games, that's not good. That is not good at all. That has to change for Auburn to be successful. Look, you at least got to break even in the turnover battle. That's that's the way I'll put it. You will not have the advantage there, but you at least have to break even. So that has to change uh, for Auburn. Coverage in the secondary. Again, I hit on that for San Jose State. I said I wanted it to be improved. And this game, it wasn't so much that I... I wasn't as frustrated with the secondary, I'll say, in this game as I was in the Mercer game. I thought it had more to do with scheme than getting outplayed. I thought the defensive backs just got beat some in the Mercer game, and they may have gotten beat some in the San Jose State game, but I I really felt like it was more of the sense of just the, the softer zone that, that the defense was coming out in. Uh, San Jose State was able to take advantage of it. Again, they only gave up 16 points. And again, like I said earlier, they did a great job being stuck on having to defend the end zone uh, for pretty much the whole first half, it felt like. So I thought the defense did a good job there uh, with that. So the secondary, but it does need to improve. I think you're going to see more Keontae Scott. I think you're going to see more DJ James, uh, whether Keontae Scott more lining up at more nickel than corner. Either way, you're going to see more of him. DJ James, the Oregon transfer, uh, has played a lot uh, already in the first two games. Again, 
But depending on how Jalen Simpson, Nehemiah Pritchett do, those have been your two starting cornerbacks. But I definitely think that DJ James and Keontae Scott are, are pushing them. Of course, Keontae Scott playing nickel. That's where Donovan Kaufman plays. But those two can both be on the field at the same time. and They can make that work defensively. Those guys have been too good to keep off the field right now. Um, so, uh, one thing I will say about San Jose State, they did have a little bit of a size mismatch. I think Penn State have some uh, physical receivers as well that could create an issue uh, for these Auburn DBs. Again, Jalen Simpson, a little over six feet, and I was looking down at him against San, one of the San Jose State receivers that look, just made Simpson look tiny. So uh, there could be some size disadvantage again this week that they'll have to deal with. But the defensive backs, I think, are going to be fine. I have a lot of confidence in uh, confidence in Zach Etheridge and this uh, defensive back group. Another thing would be the the pressure of the defensive line. Again, I've been very pleased so far with the uh, defensive line and the uh, the rush defense have been excellent. But I do I certainly want to see more in the pass rush. Yes, three sacks was good. But Derek Hall and E.Q. Leota have big uh, aspirations, big goals for what they want to achieve as far as sacks go this season. And right now they're behind because usually those Mercer and San Jose State games are, are games where you can rack up stats and uh, load up the stat sheet. That wasn't the case for those two. I will say this, though, and Brian Harson hit on it as well in his press conference this week. Quarterbacks were getting, and both those games got rid of the ball quickly. It was a, a catch and release. Yes, it's hard to get pressure in those situations. They're going to have more opportunities going forward as teams do more. Quarterbacks are, are, are going to be looking more downfield. They're going to be staying in the pocket longer, especially this week with Sean Clifford with the play action that, that Penn State will run. They'll, he'll be in the pocket longer. They're going to have more opportunities. Again, there's nothing like a sack, uh, getting forcing a team behind the chains. It gets a lot of momentum, and especially this week at home, it'll be big to get the crowd uh, into it with with sacks this week will be big. And um, now let's dive into the big the big topic that everyone uh, wants to talk about. That is the QB play. That absolutely has to improve. Uh, I won't deny that. I don't think anybody's going to deny that. I don't think Brian Harson would deny that. In fact, he said he said as much. You know, he said the uh, quarterback play has been okay. And really, that that might be a, a little bit too kind of how to put it. I will say, I was in a little bit of the minority, not during the game, but after the game when I thought about it a little bit more, the quarterback play was not as bad as I had kind of made it out to be. Not saying it was good, because it certainly wasn't, but I, I, like I said earlier in the first segment, I think it had to do more with the fact of the penalties never allowed the offense to get into a flow. But here's the stat, and I want to give credit to Justin Ferguson for this. I saw this yesterday right after I finished preparing for the show today on TJ Finley, and this is a stat, pre-interceptions versus Mercer and post-interception versus San Jose State. During that time, uh, TJ Finley had been 20 for 25, that's 80%, for 256 yards, that's 10.24 20, uh, yards per um, completion on average. So basically what that's saying is, yes, let's, let's eliminate the interceptions, and T.J. Finley is, has not been a bad quarterback. The problem is you can't, you can't uh, ignore the interceptions. The interceptions have been there. That's a part of who you are as a quarterback. But looking at it in a positive perspective, hey, look, when, when you're not throwing interceptions, you're doing pretty well, T.J. So that's what, as, as, as Brian Harson as Eric Keesaw, that's what you're pointing out. Like, look, let's take away the turnovers, and we're doing fine. But we absolutely have to get rid of those turnovers. Uh, three interceptions, I think one passing touchdown after Mercer at San Jose State is. I'm um, laughing because it, it's just really not good. Uh, yeah, that that's really that's really bad. That has to change. Look, right now I don't think Auburn has the confidence in, in the quarterbacks to say, "Hey, go win us a game." Whether that's T.J. Finley, whether that's Robbie Ashford, whether that's someone else, I don't I don't think Auburn has confidence in. Uh, the QB to go win us the game, and you might need that this week, which is also not a good thing. But I'm not trying to be negative. I'm, I'm. That's why I read that tweet there from Justin Ferguson because I think there is some positives you can take away from if you're TJ and things to be able to build on 
uh, going forward to have success, but it, but you you have to improve, and you have to improve each and every week. I think uh, Finley's mindset is in the right place. I really do. I think he's a good leader for this team. I think he knows the offense really well. You see how he was getting um, receivers lined up, getting them in the correct position. Those are things that uh, we as fans don't notice necessarily and that we can take for granted, but those are very important aspects of being a, a good quarterback that has nothing to do with your actual performance. But, obviously, the performance matters a ton, and uh, T.J. Finley is going to have to play better this week and going forward for Auburn to have a good season. Do I think there's going to be a change at quarterback? I do not. Look, I know there's been some more talk about Zach Calzada. Robbie Asher is going to continue to play. He He's the change of pace, uh, though, guy. I, I don't think you're going to going to see him ever become the full-time guy this year. I could be wrong on that, barring an injury or something on that aspect. But I, I do think you'll continue to see him play. But Eric Kesaw said it uh, last night on Tire Talk. We, we, we've we got to let Robbie Asher continue to throw. He threw the interception, uh, obviously, this past week. But you've got to let him build that confidence. So you've got to let him throw. And you've also got to let him throw because defenses will just be able to key run when he gets in there. And yes, San Jose State, yes, Mercer will key and run as soon as he came in there and they couldn't stop it. But these Penn State's going to be more talented than that. The SEC teams that Auburn's going to face are going to be more talented than that. So you have to let him throw the football. That's going to be very important. So he'll continue to play. But again, going back to Zach Calzada, I'm sure there's a lot of questions on that. I've read a lot about that. Some people have the opinion that, that there's a good chance he could play this week. The only way I see Zach Calzada playing this week is if everything just goes really, really poorly. And if Zach Calzada comes in this game, then Auburn fans are, are this, things aren't going to be going well for Auburn. I'll put it that way. Or barring, again, injury or, or some sort, something like that. I, I think that's the only way you see him play uh, this week. So I think TJ Finley can be a successful quarterback this year for Auburn. This Auburn team needs to depend on their run. They need to depend on their defense, and they just need average quarterback play. And this team can have a successful season. This team can win this this week. I'm not saying that that that'll lead you to a national championship, but I'm saying that I, I think that uh, that that could lead you to a nine win season. So those are just uh, my thoughts again this week on the quarterback quarterback uh, situation. I think uh, this will be part of a segment each and every week. But that certainly has to be improvement. Quarterback play certainly has to be better than it was the first two weeks. But I also think you'll see the playbook open up a little bit more, and I'll get into that uh, in the next segment. But with that being said, let's move on now to what I liked uh, from the first two games and what I want to see continued uh, going forward. Again, I mentioned it earlier in the first segment, the halftime adjustments that led to improvement in the second half. The second half was... Uh, a better performance from the team. That that's that's huge. Uh, I think it was something that you know really really struggled. Not not to talk too much about the previous regime. Was in the past in the past, but I really thought the the uh, Gus Malzahn era there was big time struggle on halftime adjustments. Really could not um, adjust to what the other team was doing. There's some coaches that have made a name for it. Of course, Nick Saban is great at it. There's plenty of other coaches that are very good at it. That's very important, but you think about Auburn last year. Auburn lost a lot of games in the fourth quarter, which would point to not making adjustments or getting outcoached there in the second half by teams not adjusting to the adjustments that the other team made. Because really, whether you're winning or you're losing, you need to make adjustments at halftime, but you obviously, when you're down, you have to make more than when you're up. And so then you have to counter, if you're up, you have to counter the adjustments that the opposing team made. Sorry if that making absolute zero sense to you. But if you if you get what I'm putting down, so Auburn last year struggled there to adjust to the adjustments. And so it was good to see Auburn um, improve there in the second half, and that's going to be important going forward. I, I really also like the defense with the short field. I've hit on that. I was very, very pleased with the way uh, they played with their backs against the wall. That's toughness. That's mental toughness. That's grit. When you're tired, when you're worn down, when you're frustrated with the offense, I'm sure they are ready to go scream in the offensive huddle a couple times in that San Jose State game. But I'm going to tell you what, that's probably going to be the case a lot this season. With the, with the defense is going to be dependent on, they're going to have to be the strength of this football team. And so they're going to have to get used to, to playing with the short field at times, to being put in tough field position situations holding teams to field goal attempts, holding teams out of the end zone. It's going to be very important. So, again, continuing to bend but not break. It's going to be very, very important. 
Uh, Keontae Scott, that's a player that I really uh, liked a lot from this past game. Thought he played very well um, for for Auburn this past weekend. Again, I expect his role to continue to increase. He, he's been out there some on punt returns. We'll see if he continues to, to do that some. And uh, then finally, Damari Austin. He had a great run, the freshman running back. He's certainly explosive. Again, the the Auburn backfield is something I will not worry about with this team throughout the whole year. Uh, tank, basically, Jarquez Hunter, and then getting a little splash, the extra explosiveness that comes with Damari Austin. I'm very excited that he got to have that big run. He's a smaller back, but again, he's going to develop, and he's going to be a bright spot uh, for Auburn for years to come, uh, even after uh, Tank and Jarquez move out of the program. So very, uh, very, very excited for him. And what's to come, I, I do think he'll continue to have a small role, but a role throughout the season. I think he'll get a carry here and there. I think you'll see him some in this Penn State game as well moving forward. So that really concludes the likes and dislikes uh, for for Auburn uh, for now. Again, I, I like this segment. kind of allows uh, me to give my perspective all, on things and uh, really break down the previous game and then looking ahead uh, two weeks to come. Again, let me know your likes and your uh, dislikes as well uh, on Twitter at Talking Timbers on it or on Instagram. Uh, make sure to just uh, comment or, or tweet at me on that. But Moving forward, we'll be uh, about to head on to our second break here before coming back, and we will look at what happened in last year's Auburn-Penn State game and then preview this week's game. Again, we're finally getting to what everyone wants to talk about. So that's what I'm looking forward to. That's coming up right after the break. So we'll be right back here on Weagle 91.1. Fire threatens everything. Here on Weagle 91.1. So last year's Penn State game, it was exciting. It was an awesome, awesome environment. Have to give Penn State credit where credit is due for the whiteout environment. I think Auburn fans that went up to that game really enjoyed it. And it was a fun game. It obviously was a disappointing loss for Auburn. It was early in the season, though, early in the Brian Harson era. So I think people came out more with a excuse me, a positive uh, outlook, though, at that point in the season. And Auburn did a lot of things well in that game. They ran the ball really well. Tank Bixby had over 100 yards rushing in that game. I think nearly 200 yards on the ground. Yeah, 182 yards on the ground in that game. Uh, Jarquez Hunter had a big game there as well. And uh, so Auburn's going to need to do that again uh, this year to have success. Uh, They had the turnover zone. That was was crucial. Of course, the Kobe Hudson turnover on the trick play right out out of uh, halftime there in the third quarter. That was big. He you know, there was nowhere to go with the ball, and then he just drops the ball. It, it was a bad turnover, and that kind of changed momentum. Penn State went up two scores. Auburn came back, got within uh, a t- uh, got within eight points, and then, of course, the infamous uh, goal line fade that caused Twitter to erupt last year, and and uh, the Fire Mike Bobo uh, trend started then. And it would eventually uh, come to fruition later on in the season. Uh, but there was a lot of frustration with that play called there towards the end of the game. And really frustration with, with that game. But again, it was competitive at that point. Penn State was looking like one of the top teams in the Big Ten, a possible playoff team at that point. And uh, so it, it was a good game for Auburn. It was a good environment for them to experience. But it was another one of those close and uh, painful losses of the uh, first year of the, of the Brian Horson era. So what does Auburn need to do to avoid that happening and again? I think we hit on it a little bit uh, there already. The, the turnovers, again, will be big. Continuing to run the ball like Auburn did last year is going to be very important. And I think this game will uh, will tend to be a lower scoring game like that one was, possibly even lower scoring than that game was. But before we get into more of a, a little prediction and closer of a breakdown, I do just want to go over a little bit of a scouting report on what what kind of to expect from Penn State? I'll start out with their with their defense and go through this and how and how Auburn uh, where Auburn has the advantage and where they should attack this Penn State defense. This defense is coached by Manny Diaz. If you remember, he was the head coach at Miami who was let go um, and really just a horrible situation. You talk about the drama that Auburn had back in the winter. What Miami did to Manny Diaz was pretty dirty and pretty disgusting and unfortunate how his uh, tenure in, ended there. But anyways, he is now at Penn State. That was a great defensive coordinator hire for them. 
Manny Diaz and Brian Harson are friends. They go back, uh, were coaches together on Texas staff under uh, Mac Brown. And there, Manny Diaz was the defense coordinator when Brian Harson was the co-offense coordinator there. So they know each other. They know each other's schemes. But college football has evolved a lot. It's been over 10 years, I think, now since those two coached together. So their schemes have both evolved. So I, I don't think that's going to be really an advantage for either of them. But it, it will be a friendly face there uh, on, on the opposite sidelines for both of those guys. But this Penn State defense is a talented group. They they run a uh, even front. Again, Auburn saw an odd front more, mostly last weekend uh, with San Jose State. You're going to see an even front. There's going to be a lot of uh, a slanting, which is typically something more you see in an odd front. Penn State is going to do it with an even front. They've got a very talented uh, edge rusher in Chop Robinson, a big guy, former five-star transfer from Maryland. Uh, definitely going to challenge the tackles this weekend. Uh, in, in, so this will be something that this Auburn, uh, Austin Troxel, uh, Killian Zaire will have to uh, to deal with this weekend against him. Uh, certainly a player to keep an eye on there. But arguably their biggest strength on their defense is their secondary. And Manny Diaz likes to send this um, the, the, these defensive backs on blitz. They are bigger defensive backs. I, so I do believe Auburn is going to have an advantage as far as speed goes with the receivers against these Penn State DBs because they are bigger, because they are physical. The problem comes is is if they go more press man, they get their hands on you at the line of scrimmage, can these can Auburn's receivers be physical and match their physicality getting off the ball and getting open? But if they can get into open space, Auburn will have the advantage as far as speed goes. Um, but like I said, they will blitz the defensive backs, and I expect Manning Diaz to really dial up the pressure put pressure on T.J. Finley. He knows that Finley's not a, a very mobile quarterback. He's going to try to get to him. He's seen that he's thrown three interceptions already this year. He's going to try to force him into some bad throws, uh, force him into um, some tough situations, and I think he'll mix up the looks. I think uh, that he'll show some show some things that will try to uh, confuse uh, Finley a little bit. Again, this is their third game as well for Penn State. They have played a, a conference game already, though. They played Purdue week one, so, but I'm sure there's still some things they haven't shown yet that they'll show this week that'll be a different look for, for TJ, I, so I do think the scheme is going to be different, uh, obviously, with the new defense coordinator than it was last year for this Penn State team, but ultimately, what I what I expect to see from this Manny Diaz defense is for them to load the box. Seven in the box, they do, uh, they do like to run a, a traditional 4-3, which a, a lot of times now in college, you don't see that, that means with 40 down linemen, three linebackers, usually like Auburn. They only have two uh, like true linebackers out there. You have Typically now you see two linebackers and two edge rushers and the D-line. Uh, but uh, Penn State will run a true 4-3. I mean, so they're going to have seven in the box. They're going to say, beat us through the air. Auburn is going to have to open it up. TJ is going to have to have to uh, make some big plays this week uh, for Auburn to win this game. But Auburn cannot abandon the run. Like I said, Penn State tried to load the box last year if you watched that game. Auburn still had success running for 180 yards offensively. That means getting Robbie Ashford involved, of course, spreading this Penn State defense out a lot. That also means lining up and saying, hey, like Brian Horson likes to do, 12 personnel. That means two tight ends loading up, saying, hey, we're going to come at you. We'll take three yards in a cloud of dust if we have to, but can't abandon the run because this offense is completely dependent on it. Can't, cannot just go straight to a just air, airing it out. Yes, you need to air it out some. Yes, you need to be balanced, but cannot abandon the run. So again, but I expect this this Penn State defense to sell out uh, to stop Tank Bigsby, to stop Jarquez Hunter in this uh, Auburn offense running the ball. But again, how to attack, play action shots, use your speed as your advantage to spread this defense out. And um, I think if Auburn can do that offensively, again, Average uh, four yards of carry again like did last year, that's typically going to help you win the football game. Don't turn the ball over offensively and hit a couple big plays, a couple explosive plays, the plays that are 20 yards or more. Hit a couple of those. Take what the defense gives you. Again, this doesn't need to turn into a, a shootout, guns a-blazing game for Auburn. That will not work to their advantage. Penn State doesn't really want to play that way either, but they, they, they will be able to do that better than Auburn will be able to do that. So this that, that's not what this game needs to turn into if Auburn wants to win it. Now, as far 
as this Penn State offense is concerned. Look, Sean Clifford's returning. Feels like he's been there in eternity. This is his sixth year. He's a six-year senior. He, he He's very hot and cold. Penn State fans love him at times. They're very frustrated with him at times. But in the end, he's really a pretty solid quarterback uh, for Penn State, and he has been when he's healthy. He's had some injury issues after that Auburn game last year. He got banked up. And so that has that uh, caused some of his poor performance here in the past. But he really is a solid quarterback. He'll make you pay. And last year, man, uh, Jeff Schmidt got three questions on this last night at Tiger Talk um, about the fact that Auburn did not get pressure on Sean Clifford last year made him look like Tom Brady in that game. And that was so frustrating, just sending a three-man rush and him having all day. And Jahan Dotson, who thank goodness is gone, just tore up Auburn last year. He was a very talented wide receiver. But again, I, I think on one play, he, it felt like he had over 10 seconds in the pocket. That cannot happen this year. He's a veteran quarterback. He'll know how to deal with pressure, but you certainly can't let a veteran quarterback have all day in the pocket. If Auburn cannot get pressure of three, can't get pressure of four, then they're going to have to send some blitzes, whether that's from uh, sending Don McCoppin from the nickel. Uh, Auburn seems to like to do that some. Whatever way they it is, going to have to dial up more pressure on him because he cannot just stay back there because he will make Auburn pay. Again, doesn't have uh, Jahan Dodson this year, but he still has a talented group of wide receivers uh, to play with here. Their offensive line, it has been a little bit iffy. They've had multiple different guys play. Um, So I wouldn't say it's bad. I I wouldn't say necessarily, though, that it's a strength of this team yet. Um, They're big. They're they're a big offensive line. but they want to run the football. That that's their mo, just like Auburn's. They they want to line up. They want to get in a little bit of under center, and, and they want to pound it. They have a very talented back in Nick Singleton. They'll play with two backs too. They have a power back in, in Allen, but Nick Singleton's a former five star recruit, very talented player, uh, very fast, um, and and they want to run the football with him. And that's that's going to be their goal, and to have play action off of that. They're going to do a lot of under center play action. I talked about Auburn doing that some. I think that would be beneficial for TJ. Uh, Penn State wants to do a lot of that as well. So keep your eyes on that, on the receivers there first if you're the secondary, making sure that you're not going to get beat on the play action, not not biting too soon on the run. Again, if the defensive line can stop this run, they've been very good in the first two games. They're going to obviously face a more, much more talented uh, more talented running backs this week, and they're going to face a more talented offensive line in the face the past two weeks, although I, I didn't think San Jose State's line was bad. Uh, stopping the run is going to be key. Both teams want to do that. Both teams want to stop the run. Both teams want to force uh, these offenses to become one-dimensional in the passing game. And then continuing the trend that I've talked about the whole show, bending but don't break. Going to be very, very key. Uh, for this Auburn team, and finally, as I mentioned, get pressure on Sean Clifford. This Auburn defense can do that. I think they'll have success against this Penn State offense. Again, this Penn State offense is talented. They can score, and they can score in bunches. They're 100% so far this year in the red zone, uh, meaning they've either gotten a touchdown or a field goal every time they've gotten in the red zone. But I really do think this is an offense you could also shut down. I, I really do believe that. I, I And I think this Auburn defense is talented enough to be able to do that if they are able to do these things that I think are keys in, in this game. But the question marks for this game is, for me, in my opinion, is Auburn going to open up the passing game this week? What what are we, what are we going to see? Again, it's been very vanilla. Uh, I think Auburn's going to have to, though. Again, that doesn't mean abandon the run, as, I, as, I've, as I've said multiple times. Continue to run the football, but open it up as well. Let TJ air it out. I know that may be that may be scary to some of you Auburn fans out there, but but you got to let him do it. I, I think that's going to be very important for him to throw the football this week to hit some of those big plays. Then Jeff Schmitting, is he going to have a more aggressive game plan? That goes for dialing up more pressure. That also goes for how he how he calls coverage, more press man, or is he going to stay with this soft zone? What will we see out of him? He stayed mostly with the soft zone, very vanilla defensively first two games as well. I think he's going to play more aggressive. I definitely think he's going to dial up pressure on Sean Clifford. I have no doubt about that. And I think you'll see more man defense. you got to mix things up. You don't want to say all man or all zone. I think he'll mix it up. But overall, I think it will be a more aggressive game plan than you've seen the first two weeks. But those are te- uh, definitely two big questions. 
And then finally, who's going to step up? Who's going to make that big play? Auburn is yet, came close, but is yet the, to force a turnover this year. Who's going to come up with that fumble recovery? Who's going to come up with that interception? And who's going to make a big play on offense? Who's going to be that player? They're typically in big games, guys who you wouldn't think step up and, and make big plays that don't necessarily see a lot of playing time, but they come up with big plays. That's going to need to happen. If it doesn't happen, Auburn probably doesn't win the game. Uh, this weekend, so who's going to come up with big plays, and um, who's going to flip the momentum? You don't want to be known like Kobe Hudson uh, was known last year for that fumble, because those will stay too, so you don't want to be the guy who's going to be remembered for that terrible play uh, that you're you're still talking about a year later. So those are are just some questions for this game. Again, I'm going to wait to make a prediction in this final segment that we've got coming up, as we'll shift our attention to a few other games. And we will discuss finally, and I'll give a final prediction on this Penn State and Auburn game. Hopefully, uh, my prediction will be a little bit more accurate than it was uh, last week. But we're about to head to break, so stay tuned here with us. We'll be right back over this final uh, break. As we go into our final segment of this hour here, I've had a great time with the show today. I hope you've enjoyed listening so let's dive into some other games this weekend. Again, another pretty good slate here in week three of college football. It's crazy to think that we're already on week three. We're getting into some conference games this weekend and some other uh, fun non-conference games. But this is a conference one here in the ACC tonight, another Friday night matchup that includes Louisville. Florida State traveling to Louisville. Louisville coming off the win in week two against UCF. Uh, Louisville looked bad week one, responded well and got the win. Uh, against UCF this past week, and now they're welcoming in Florida State, who, of course, is, uh, came off the LSU uh, win. They're still undefeated, I believe. Yes, they are. And so uh, they're coming on to take on Louisville. This game I don't have a great feel for, but I'm going to go Louisville in this game. I'm still not sold that Florida State is back. I know after the LSU win, people want to put them back there. Uh, Mike Norvell and crew has struggled. He's certainly a name to watch. This year, as far as being on the hot seat, his team needs to perform well this season. So far, they have, but I'm not completely sold on it. I think Louisville figured some things out in that UCF game uh, last week. I think Malik Cunningham, this team, continues to play well. And being at home on a Friday night, I think that they will get the win in this game. But certainly another fun uh, matchup to watch uh, tonight. The next up, Oklahoma at Nebraska. Nebraska finally ended the Scott Frost era. What a debacle that was, and who would have predicted it, especially after UCF uh, knocked off Auburn in the 2017 Peach Bowl to cap off their undefeated season. Uh, Scott Frost was the name literally everyone had to have. He was the, the top coach, and he decided to go back to his alma mater in Nebraska. Uh, people thought he was going to turn Nebraska around. They were going to be back to uh, being a dominant force in college football. They were going to be winning the Big Ten. It just didn't happen. It, it, and it really is quite amazing how many one-score losses he had. I mean, it, it, it's quite mind-boggling when you when you look at it, and it's crazy how close he came. That I mean, that, that really can be the difference between good and great or just bad and good. And for him, it was the difference between bad and good, and they were bad because they could not win close games. But now they're under Mickey Joseph, uh, who has been the wide receivers coach, I believe, at possibly, I think he may have been at LSU. Now he is the interim head coach, was uh, also uh, was a quarterback at Nebraska uh, back in the 90s, and so now he takes over as interim head coach. This is also kind of the first test, if you will, for Oklahoma. I still think this Nebraska team is a, it, it still is a test uh, of a game for Oklahoma because I think this Nebraska roster still has talent. Uh, and I still think they, they can be a tough opponent. And so what can Brent Venables and this Oklahoma team do in a tough road environment? Nebraska has a great fan base, and they'll still be there. They'll still be loud, I think, this week for Oklahoma coming to town. I think this is a close game. I think it's a challenge for Oklahoma and this Brent Venables team. But I think uh, Dylan Gabriel makes enough plays. This Oklahoma defense makes enough plays, and uh, Oklahoma wins this game. But I think the line's 10. I think Nebraska covers that. I really do. I think it's a one-score game here. Now, Georgia at South Carolina, an SEC East matchup, the first uh, SEC East uh, game or SEC conference game for Georgia and South Carolina, I believe. 
Uh, no, not for South Carolina. They played Arkansas last week, but the first SEC game for Georgia. Speaking of that, South Carolina really thought they were going to make that game super close last week against uh, Arkansas, and they kind of did. They were late, but Arkansas really had control throughout the game. Uh, Spencer Rattler still trying to set, settle into his own, but again, that offensive line really struggled against Arkansas last week, and I really think um, that they're going to struggle big time against this Georgia defensive line. I really do think this game could get ugly. It got ugly last year. I think it could do the same. Again, Spencer Rattler can only do so much for this uh, South Carolina offense. Georgia, back to being the number one team in the country. They look like the best team in the country right now. And I think they'll show that again this week. And I think they'll win big over South Carolina. Now, the Sun Belt. How about the Sun Belt, man? They, they performed absolutely incredibly well last week. Came up with multiple big upsets. And now the Sun Belt will continue to try to do that this week. We're talking about South Alabama traveling out to play UCLA. And I think South Alabama can make this game competitive. I think it'll be a close game. UCLA, not that impressive to me so far this season. But in the end, I think UCLA comes away with a close win, but I think South Carolina gives them a scare. And then another um, Sunbelt matchup college game is actually going to be here. This is Troy at App State. App State, of course, uh, took down one of the one of the Sunbelt upsets from last week. App State took down uh, Texas A&M in a big upset after that insane game in week one against North Carolina where it was uh, both teams scored in the 60s. I really didn't think App State would be able to uh, recover from that game and then go into College Station and get that win. That was very impressive, uh, very impressive win for App State. Can they back it up? Can they handle the excitement around their program now with a win against Troy, where College Game Day is going to be there? Troy actually played uh, pretty well um, against Ole Miss. They only lost uh, twenty-eight to ten when they played them. So I think this is a a Troy team with a very solid defense. But I think Chase Bryce, this App State offense, does enough. I think this game goes down to the wire. But in the end, I believe you'll see App State make enough plays. I think Chase Bryce and this team make enough plays. I like App State in this game in a close one against Troy. BYU at Oregon, another exciting game here as uh, BYU travels to Oregon. Of course, BYU came up the big victory at home against Baylor uh, in a late-night game last Saturday. That was a very fun game. Two very good teams, and that's going to, of course, be a Big 12 game here soon. But they travel out to Oregon. Oregon looked better. Bo Nix had a much better game against, of course, a much lesser opponent than Georgia this past week. But I like Oregon at home. I think Dan Lanning, I think this team's excited to, to, to get get to playing at home, playing not against Georgia for one. Don't get... Don't, Get me wrong, though. This BYU team is good. This Their defense is still pretty good. I think Bo Nix, I think this team uh, rallies, though, behind him. And I think they have a good week this week, and they beat uh, BYU in a close one. Old Miss travels this week to Georgia Tech. Lane Kiffin, as far as I know, is still not named a starter. He's uh, played a different guy in the first two games. No matter what, though, this Georgia Tech team, not the best still. Uh, Jeff Collins have really struggle to get this Georgia Tech program to where he wants it to be at. So I like Ole Miss no matter who's playing, whether it's, uh, I, I believe it'll probably be Jackson Dart, but even if it's not, I, I still like Ole Miss in this game. Uh, how about Quinshawn Judkins? He has been incredible, the freshman running back for Ole Miss, and I think he uh, he continues to play well, uh, too. Of course, all the love went to Zach Evans, the transfer from TCU, but that backfield is loaded with him and Quinshawn Judkins there at Ole Miss. So no matter uh, what, uh, it's going on at the quarterback position. I think Ole Miss plays well and gets the win in this game. Now, Mississippi State at LSU. Look, this is an exciting game, really, because uh, Mississippi State, a lot of people think that they're a top team in the SEC. They look good. They're coming off a win on the road at Arizona. No, Arizona is not a uh, great team, but they're improving. They've got a new coach. They're trying to institute a new culture. But if Mississippi State is a for-real team, They've got to win this game this weekend in Baton Rouge. They do. I they just I, I feel like this is a a must win. They want to show that they are and I think they are a contender. I I uh I think they're I think they're for real. And uh but they need to prove that uh this week with with a win against LSU. And I think they get it done. I, I don't think LSU is for real I, at the moment. I think LSU 
is better than people are giving them credit for. I think they'll improve as the season goes on. This is going to be a tough environment for Mississippi State, but prove that you can hang with the big dogs and get the win this week at LSU in a tough environment. Now, Texas Tech and NC State, again, got to go quick pick here. Uh, I'm going to go Texas Tech actually on the road. They can't, they're can't. they looking good, man. How about uh, what they're doing here? They made the the a great hire this offseason uh, as their head coach. The name's leaving me at the moment. But um, they're playing well even with some injuries at the quarterback position. So, yes, there's a lot of people who think Devin, uh, excuse me, who think NC State with Devin Leary at quarterback could be a ACC championship contender and a possible um, playoff team. But I'm going Texas Tech on the road to get the win. And then Michigan State at Washington. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., uh, first game, uh, first big game in the DeBoer era here for Washington. Michigan State comes to town ranked at um, uh, pretty high up there with Mel Tucker. But I think Washington gets the win in this one. Then Miami at Texas A&M, another big game. How does Texas A&M respond to the loss against App State? I think they respond with a win against Miami. I think you're going to see them make a change at quarterback away from Haynes King to the LSU transfer, Max Johnson. I think that'll fit the Jimbo Fisher offense a little bit better. And I'm going to go Texas A&M in a close one. They respond well, get the win over Miami in a typical Jimbo Fisher uh, facet here in this one. And finally, let's predict the Penn State at Auburn game. Look, I think this is going to be an absolutely incredible game. I think it's going to come down to the wire. I think Auburn wins this game 20-17. to I'm going fairly low scoring this weekend because I really think that's the way Auburn can win this game. If this game gets into the 30s, I think Penn State wins it. Auburn needs to keep this game low scoring. And, and I believe that they will. And I believe they pull this game out. 20 to 17. Uh, I, I think that Auburn scores uh, late to win it. Actually, I think they may fall behind, but they score, score a touchdown or a field goal late, whether it's tied up. And I think they get get the win. So thank you all for tuning in for the second show of Talking Tumors here on Weagle 91.1. I really enjoyed today's uh, show. I hope you all enjoy this great weekend at college football. If you're going to be in Jordan Hare Stadium tomorrow afternoon, be there, be loud. Uh, be an orange. It's going to be an exciting day. And uh, take care. We'll be back next Friday at the same time here uh, at 11 o'clock here on Weagle 91.1. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Friday at 11 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle and see you next time.